And so that's why, like, when you see that one color of color, that that's why they're that color. Aaron, you have to stop completely destroying my intro, man. Completely destroying <laughs> my intro. Um, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Behind the Beards. And here on Behind the Beards, we try to pull the curtain back, take a look behind the scenes, and reveal some of the things you need to know about your ministers and your ministry leaders. Um, I'm Josh Fowler, a preaching minister Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, my partner here, Aaron Partlow, is a youth minister in Topeka, Kansas. And uh, we got a guest with us today, Alan Middleton. Alan, um, you are in Texas. Where are you at in Texas? Rockwall, Texas. So just east and a little north of Dallas. Right, so almost, almost touching the Metroplex there. Very close. Very good. Well, man, it's good to have you with us. Um, what's going on today, guys? I'm just uh, excited to be on my first podcast ever. I, I am excited, <laughs> fellas. I cannot wait. You've hit Damn. the big time. You've hit the big time. Yeah, <laughs> big time. Uh, we uh, we actually got a light dusting uh, of snow last night. No way. Yeah. So like, did you see nothing... that some in uh, in Mexico as well? Yeah, there is a little bit that that uh, got into Mexico there, and they're like, "What snow?" Uh, we did not get any snow. No way. Night. No, we did not get either. You know, Josh. After all, Louisiana has been through this last year. Um, you guys, snow is probably the last thing you guys need. Like, uh, you are probably exactly right. Um, well, I'm I'm just glad to be here to observe this in person. Um, I wasn't really supposed to be here today. I'm supposed to be. Uh, my plans fell through. <laughs> Look, man, my, my plans fell through in some powerful ways. We've been uh, praying, praying for uh, for this man who's been here with us for about four years now. Yeah, um, He's been through uh, the ringer with the uh, immigration court and some other local authorities. Um, and once he finally got a judge to review his case last night, they called and said, I don't need any testimony. I just need him to show up and prove himself of who he is, verify his identity. And now after a pretty long battle, he is, it's at 10.03. In 27 minutes, he will be a permanent resident. So that's it. Hey, very yeah. cool. That is awesome. That's so I'm so just glad. I'm glad to be here with you guys. I'm going to kind of sit back in the background. and. Oh, that would have been ask, so good if you would have so. had a cool transition to like fade. Fade. So good. Um, so we we kind of wanted to talk about uh, everyone. I know we had a good part one last week, and uh, we are going to continue that conversation uh, next week. Josh and I will. So um, if you're waiting for that part two, we don't just end an episode and say part one. Um, uh, so we'll have that part two next week. <laughs> Every Promise. episode's part one. I mean, really. <laughs> Promise we'll have that part that part two next week. So we're excited about that. And uh, we'll get that. So, hey, what's up, Jonathan? Glad you're here, man. Uh, so we're going to talk about this uh, this, uh, this idea of this cooperative uh, experience. Um, you know, why should we work together? Um, what are some of the benefits? You know, Josh and I, previous shows, we had Bryce Ballard on, and we talked about, like, our brain trust. Um, and, 
and kind of working through that and the benefits of that. Uh, Alan is involved uh, with something that's a little similar to that. And Alan, tell us about uh, Nexus. Tell us, first off, I always thought it was Nexus with an X. So No, I know. It, it kind of sounds like it. Yeah. No, it's Nexus as an N-E-T-S-Y-S. So, uh, yeah, ne Nexus is, uh, it stands for Northeast Texas Summer Youth Series. So yeah, very very simple, right? <laughs> so it, it was it was born at this 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 was in place long before I got here into Rockwall to the Eastridge Church of Christ. Uh, I think it's been around for about thirty years, and really it was just these youth ministers getting together and say, "Hey, we want to have more than just our youth group experience. We kind of want to have an extended youth group for our youth group, where they're kind of like an extended family, but it's an extended youth group." And so out of that, they decided we're going to once a, once a week throughout the summer, uh, not every week, but they would uh, travel to each other's churches and just do like everyone would be kind of familiar with the summer youth series where you'd go, you'd have a worship service, you'd play a game, you'd have a, a meal or a snack. Uh, and that kind of grew from just that to uh, a monthly meeting where these youth ministers are just checking in on each other and praying for each other, even to the point where there was a camp. We go to Nets' camp now. And so we go to camp with this extended youth group. Uh, and sometimes we've had a, a fall retreat or a, a leadership retreat where each youth minister is picking a couple of their leaders from the group. And we have a retreat with just them. Uh, and man, that has been that has been awesome. That was something I was not familiar with growing up in my youth group experience. Uh, we, we kind of uh, just did our own thing and didn't do a lot with other youth groups. There was maybe one or two events a year that we do that, but not like a network like that. Uh, so that's been a huge blessing to our ministry and our kids love it. That is their their favorite camp to go to Nexus. And so we go to this camp where we see people that we were going to see throughout the rest of the summer, which is a pretty cool thing. That is cool. So um, networking like that is something that I'm super passionate about, mainly because uh, of exactly what you just said. Uh, you just said like our kids love it. Um, and then you said something else that resonated with me. You said um, that you didn't grow up with that experience. And I am the complete opposite. Um, I grew up with that experience. And so uh, I don't know if Steve Haney's here today, but he's a youth minister up in the Oregon City Church of Christ. Uh, and uh, before, before, before him, uh, there was a youth minister called Ben Cook, and he was there, uh, which was my youth minister. And they were part of the Puget Sound, or Puget Sound, man, I always say that, the Pacific Northwest um, uh, and the, Pet, uh, the Portland Metroplex uh, youth ministry group. That kind of met. They would meet at Cascade College. Rip, um, we still love you, uh, even though you're gone. Uh, they would meet at Cascade College. They would host them. They'd give them free lunch. All the youth ministers would meet there, and they would plan what we called TNT. Um, TNT. Wait, wait. Is, it, is that Tuesday night together? Tuesday nights together uh, is what we would was what they called them. And I'm telling you, like as a teenager, I loved it. They were so much fun. We would travel 45 minutes to an hour, drive to another church, do exactly what you said. They'd have some sort of activity that would play in uh, to whatever the theme was, the theme. And it was all, it was this big um, production event. So it was really cool to go and see what your friends did. And it was kind of like, let me show off our church and our youth group and what we can yeah, do. And our youth room. And, yeah, and our youth room cool. and all this kind of stuff. And then also it was really cool. Um, uh, it, it was just really cool to see what other people uh, were doing. And so um, we loved it. And then we would all go to Camp Yamhill and, uh, and that's our church. That that's the church camp that's up there. 
And so it was just like this really awesome experience to see all your friends every Tuesday and then see them at camp, see if they're going to camp, uh, see how different they are after they've showered at home in their own shower uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so it's just kind of like, uh, it was always this really awesome experience. And so, um, oh, so here you go. This is pretty cool. Um, uh, TNTs were going on since my teen years, 50 years now. So when my dad um, uh, was a teenager, they were still doing TNTs. So that's how big um, that kind of stuff. And I don't know if it's, you know, in, in Texas and other some other places, like you have these larger churches, right? So how, how big is, is uh, Eastridge? Yeah, Eastridge is about a, about a thousand member church. Obviously, yeah, this that was pre-pandemic. Uh, so the youth yeah. group was not small. On a Sunday morning, uh, we could have 50 to 60 kids, which is not a, a small youth group. And so I, I've seen a lot of bigger churches kind of go that way where they keep to themselves. Um, but our church, I, I feel like our kids, and I, I don't know, I'm hoping we can talk about this. I like it as a youth minister, seeing my kids get excited about realizing that their faith uh, and mm. this youth group culture exists outside of just where we are. Like there are other people, uh, and just maybe just for the sake of that sense of community, uh, there is an extended community that, that goes beyond just our church, just our youth group. There's other youth groups making their own traditions and and singing the same praise songs that we're singing. I think that's good for them to realize. It's kind of it's kind of like that Winterfest effect where you go and you see you know the, all these other kids, and that's super encouraging. But it's even um, just a little bit more personal because you're having more up close conversations for a longer period of time. With these other youth groups, so I, I think I think it's been a big blessing to our kids. Um, well, and when you grow, when you grow up with those kids, there's that other there's that other aspect too, right? Yes. yes. So so you're going uh, in, in junior high, and you're seeing these kids, and you're going to camp with them, and you're growing all the way up, and there's that there's that connection. And then you know um, you know if they choose to go to college, if they choose um, you know to go to a Christian college or something like that, there's even a possibility of seeing the same. Yes. Uh, yeah. There. Yeah, that's right. You know, I look looking here at, you know, Jonathan's talking about, you know, walk for water and those yeah. kinds of events that come up. Um, and then, the, you know, Chad talks about a youth group coming down. I think if I remember correctly, he might have been in New Iberia at the time, which is, you know, a little small community, which is west of west of the Mississippi River here. You know, and you have these groups that come in that bring whether it's a, you know, just mission or outreach or just some kind of assistance group that comes in uh, and you build those bonds in those moments, that's probably uh, more like what I'm accustomed to growing up. Even growing up mm -hmm. in Austin, Texas, there's a lot of churches around, uh, but except for camp and a few fringe events, we didn't really have a lot of um, uh, interaction with a lot of the groups that were even in our own town. Yeah. Um, and those 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 big events are, are pretty powerful, you know, whether it's camp or Soul Quest or Winterfest. Uh, they're really awesome when you get to see those things and you see the broader scope of uh, Christianity. Right. Right. Uh, but there's but there's something about what you're talking about when I mean, these aren't people from away or that are driving in to do something special. You know, these are people that live just a little ways from us. They might even go to some of the same schools that we go to. Um, they may be, you know, some of the schools that we may play mm. ball games against, you know, and have those kind of interactions mm. in regular life. So, you know, making those connections, um, in the moment in that immediate vicinity, I think is a really, really powerful thing that we really need to, uh, 
reinforced to our kids, you know. Here's an interesting uh, topic swing. Um, I like this idea, and I w- it, what Chad was saying here kind of made me really think about, because um, I've taken my youth group to another congregation and done a VBS. Um, how often have you been, have you guys ever been involved with hosting uh, a youth group or another oh. youth group? Um, you know, I've, I've worked at some larger churches now where like, if we're doing a VBS, like, Hey, we can handle it. Uh, we can run it. Uh, that's good. That's what we like to do. But I'm curious on as a ministry point, would it be that beneficial? Is it beneficial to my congregation, to my teens to invite a youth group to come in and help us run a VBS? Um, you know, are there lessons that can be learned about hospitality and reaching out and allowing other people to serve you um, and being humble and then serving and being good hosts? Like, what if this is just like off the ball? This isn't even on the notes. It's how we roll. I guess that's 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 who I am, right? Um, just jump like, from the hip here on behind the beards. Oh, my that's, goodness. That's right. Well, like, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, could cool. you actually make a mission trip? be about hosting another youth group at your congregation like would would your kids actually buy into that and could you be like okay this year for mission trip we are going to topeka kansas wait i live there yeah we're actually going to host this other youth group and we're going to serve and provide them while they perform this service here at our church building so we're going to prepare lunch we're going to prepare dinner we're going to prepare devotionals uh and worship service and, and kind of a relaxing state after they do this all day so that we can kick in and do that. I just was thinking of that. That'd be kind of a, kind of a neat idea. That is, that is a neat idea. So when I was growing up, we did do that where we, we went to a, we, we went to a smaller church in Iowa that had a very small youth group and we helped them uh, pull off a of VBS. And I like the idea of kind of reversing that and like inviting, even though we're a bigger church, inviting a youth group and letting right. our, our students learn what it is to be hospitable and to serve them and all like that. And I can guarantee they may not be jazzed about it the first time, but man, they're going to be over the moon about the second time. Once they form those relationships with that group and you invite them yeah. back the second year, they would be so in for that. I think that'd be awesome. Right. And then you, um, you even like, I mean, I was just thinking like you, pref- you, you work together and you create these devotionals that you send home and you mm-hmm. say, okay, you're hosting this family. Okay. Your job is to go over this uh, with them and to show them kind of a good time, but make mm-hmm. sure that they're also rested. And so, yeah, like, and, and you could really, there's so many times, you know, uh, in scripture where it talks about hospitality and inviting yeah. people into your home and stuff like that, that that could be like the whole theme of your uh, mission trip. I don't know. That just sounds really cool. I'm going to have to write that down. That's a. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if there's a church other there's somewhere that does that like every other year they like take turns hosting each other and just go like back and forth and back and forth. That'd be, that'd be kind of interesting. That is awesome. That's a great idea. Oh, I'm, huh. a, I'm a great guy. <laughs> no, I, hospitality is probably one of those things that that is kind of uh, lost in our society and our culture. Yeah, um, we I frequently think of when we think of being hospitable, we think of being kind, we think of being gracious, uh, we think of being approachable, we think of taking someone out to eat and buying for mm-hmm. them. Um, but you know, to to open our houses. Don't come to my house you know, to open our, our churches, you know, if we're looking mm-hmm. at groups mm-hmm. um, and, and to welcome people in as one of our own. Um, it kind of I remember when we were living in Kansas, 
uh, there was a young man that lived across the street from us who was he was in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. uh, he had Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. There were steps coming into our front, the front of our house. He had the steps coming up and then steps going down to get in the living room. Um, and there were several boys there in, in the neighborhood that would play with our kids. And I remember coming home from work one day and there were seven boys in my living room playing uh, the Xbox. Uh, Peyton was one of them and he's in a wheelchair. They'd gone around the back to get in, which they could. And I started looking around and I realized none of my children were home. <laughs> and none of these seven guys that were in my living room were my children. My, <laughs> my boys were, were playing uh, football down the street with one of the other kids in the neighborhood. Um, but here's these seven kids in my living room playing the Xbox, um, just making themselves at home in my house. Um, and I looked at it and I was like, that's awesome, you know, um, to have the relationship with these families in this area. Um, you know, and there's, there's, a, there's a truth in there about who we should be as the church, you know, that when anyone walks in, they feel like they're at home when they walk into our space. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the benefits that I see with this kind of a networking is um, my home is not just the place that I'm really comfortable in. Um, but that home begins to to realize that that we're at home with all of these other people. Mm -hmm. um, my Spanish minister tells me all the time, my house is your house. And then if I knock on his door, he says, why'd you knock on the door? Just come in. It's not locked. Um, you know, you don't knock on your own door. And so just that feeling of belonging with one another uh, to me is one of the really great benefits I see to this kind of uh, camaraderie. So. I, I was just thinking, I don't know how often I've been very intentional about teaching my kids about the importance of being hospitable. I think sometimes, maybe it's just as ministers, I think we get wrapped up in making sure our spaces are hospitable for our own people. And we're trying to practice hospitality for our own people, which for sure is important. But how many times have I gone to my teens or, you know, my leaders and been like, you know, what's really important is not that just you feel comfortable here, but you're a part of the process of making other people feel comfortable here. And I don't know if I've been real intentional about verbalizing that to them and communicating that to them. Uh, I mean, sure, we talk about hospitality, but I, I don't think uh, it's just like you're, you're saying, Aaron, we don't I don't think we have those events that are just focused on. This is what it means to be a, a servant and just be hospitable to someone who is coming to you, because usually we're going to them and they're having to, you know, there have to be a little bit hospitable to us because we're going to serve them. Right. Uh, so I don't know who's serving who more in those in those mission trips and, the, and the, those things. But uh, man, I just love that idea of making sure that we have those intentional events where it's going to be about teaching our kids what it means to be hospitable and servant that way. Yeah. And there's so much about that, that um, we could focus in on and that idea of going that extra mile. And this is, this is where like, it is easy. It's exactly what Josh says. Like, um, man, it just made me laugh. Like we think like hospitality is, um, is yeah. Hey, I'll, I, yeah, let's go out to eat and I'll buy you, I'll buy you a meal. You know, I can, I can tell you how many meetings I've sat in where somebody has said, um, yeah, what you need to do is if you have a visitor at church, you know, is to invite them out to lunch, buy them lunch uh, or whatever. And I can tell you, like, I've been in many of those scenarios where I've gone out to lunch with somebody and it was nice. It was really nice. And it was nice to get free lunch. Um, but I can tell you that I've been to more, I've been to fewer, but more meaningful lunches where like I had a professor at OC say, oh, cool. You're here visiting. Well, well why don't you come to lunch with us? And then like we ended up at their house and it was like some pot roast that their mm. wife was cooking and we had a meal and I got to sit in the house of one of my professors. I I'm thinking of, um, 
Uh, oh, now I can't remember his name, so it doesn't matter. So we'll move on. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, uh, Chip Cooey. It was Chip oh, Cooey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like Chip Cooey has like this. Um, uh, he's a hard teacher. Like yeah. he can come off really gruff, and he's a hard teacher. You do not take his class and expect to get an A. You have to work for that A. Um, but there was something very different about sitting in his living room and he's like in his slippers and like athletic shorts and a white tee sipping coffee and yeah. we're like talking yeah. about church restoration movement stuff. Yeah. And all of a sudden it just like started clicking and it was a very relaxed and easy. And so there's like that big switch. And so, you know, teaching our teenagers and teaching even our members that old school philosophy of hospitality. I remember um, my mom and dad used to tell me you know, my grandpa had a red boat. Uh, and I was, I was, that was the coolest thing ever. And, and my aunt owned it as well. And they would just invite people from church and visitors be like, Hey, we're going out to the lake this weekend to water ski, come out. And, uh, you know, and they would just take random people water skiing and grandma Ooh. would prepare food for them and have all the snacks. And, you know, the only rule was, you know, you put your shoe in the line and that's who you knew who was going next. And so you had all these one shoed people, um, <laughs> you know, having fun and sitting on the shore while everyone went water skiing. And there's like that difference of um, that connection that, that we need to make that extra mile of, uh, and I think that's what really like cuts the bread for a lot of our teenagers is when you show them and you teach them, this is surface layer Christianity. This is, this is real Christianity. This is who Jesus really calls us to be. He doesn't call us to be, you know, Pharisees or Sadducees and dress up really nice and preach God's word. He wants us to do like that stuff like that. That stuff was not bad. It was the stuff that the Pharisees and Sadducees weren't doing. That was bad. Right. It wasn't that they weren't preaching to the sick. They weren't being there with the poor. They weren't supporting, you know, and doing the dirty work or the extra mile kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know. That was a big tangent, but I just thought that was a, Kind of really curious to think about. It's an important tangent, though. Um, mm -hmm. There is uh, so much that comes into, you know, starting something. If you're in a place where that already exists, that's awesome, right? Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be, it's not as easy in some places as it is in others. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the churches are pretty spread out here um, yeah. in Southeast Louisiana. And right. I mean, for Aaron and I to work together in Kansas, it was about an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, easy, you know, easy between Topeka and and my house. So, you know, it was a it was a pretty good pretty good drive. And we worked with a church in Manhattan, which was even further. Um, and so it took some a, a different kind of effort. Yeah, yeah. We had like seventeen churches in our area that we could um, be a part of, but it was just so important for that development. Um, but getting into that was not very easy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you walk into a place or you're in a place where uh, things are kind of already set and there's right. an expectation, and then you start bringing in something new and, and different, um, there's a whole host of a whole host of challenges that are immediately kind of thrown up in your way when you're trying to do something new or different. Right. Um, what are uh, what are some of the things that you see when, when something like this comes about? Some of the things that you face when you're trying to do something new like that? 
You mean uh, a new thing like getting together with other churches? Um, so just in general. Um, I mean, I think the obstacles are generally the same, uh, um, come from the same place. But um, some of the pains, some of the joys from starting starting something new. You always have to have that conversation uh, of what are, what are the sacred cows, right? What are, what are the things that if I if I change this one thing, what the who who am I going to hear from? And that's a good conversation to have, not in the way of um, that you shouldn't. Just because something is is a, a sacred cow somewhere doesn't mean it shouldn't be changed. Sometimes things do need to be changed, and you know you do need to go to a, a new camp or try a different event or uh, yeah do some things with some different youth groups. Uh, I, I know some of the some of the some of the growing pains of, of the the Netsis group I've heard is I mean you have churches that are that are more conservative and some that are more progressive, and then so you have to kind of work through when you do camp together. What is everyone comfortable with? And we have to make sure we're not a uh, we have to have that conversation of what are your elders okay with, and that's that's kind of a weird conversation to have. Of you know, if if you're okay with uh, you know a, a, a girl on stage acting out a skit, is that okay? And uh, but you have to kind of talk those things through. Uh, and the same is true of go, you know being new anywhere. You kind of have to kind of figure out the culture of that church and figure out what what is the feel here. What what am I coming into? And not that you're not bringing in some of your own uh, personality and all in your own experience in ministry. You absolutely are. They're not they're not hiring. Uh, their former youth minister, they're hiring a new guy who's going to have new ideas and for sure is going to put a fresh coat of paint on that youth room. I feel like that's always that's always the tenet of going somewhere new is putting on a new coat of paint at a youth room. No, is that just me? As, as a guy who's remodeled a youth room, I'm never doing it again. Like, Really? I, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I, I fully have remodeled the teen room. Of course, I've been here for almost seven years uh, in Topeka. But... Uh, um, yeah, that I love the the youth room at Pine Tree. I mean, I might get some paint or or something down the line. Say, I'm gonna start a clock as soon as you start. And down see the how line, put some paint on the wall. Within but, within two man. weeks after being here, I repainted my office. There you go. See, I mean, because it's just that's, that's your space, though. That's good. That's right. Symbolic of change, you know, and yeah, something's coming Absolutely. in. So, and it's the right time to do it. I mean, you know, there's no stuff in there. It's a good time to put some stuff on the walls, make it your own. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan is shaming us over here. I wish I had a youth room. I'm sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> not everyone has a youth room. That's right. I think he's just moping. Jonathan's not shaming. He's just moping. Oh, he's just moping. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. Grow no, there, up, are, Jonathan. There, there are some uh, there are some challenges, right? And, and it doesn't matter whether you're in youth ministry or a children's ministry or any other kind of ministry when when something comes up and, and changes then people automatically like kind of bristle oh yeah anxiety one, of my, yeah. one of my elders yeah one of my elders just be something he read he said since the pandemic um our culture the rate of change in our culture has increased something like 10 speed and he said i'm afraid it may never go back to where it was Mm. right and so and and people are already in this place where they're like so uncomfortable because of how rapidly things have had to move into a whole new realm of existence yeah. and that's just true in our businesses it's true in schools and it's true in our churches as well it's definitely true in our churches um yeah and, and i think people are like right now they're just like it's kind of like when you just rake a rake a scab off you know even if it's even if it's healed and that scab is gone it's still really really tender 
And so I think the changes that we've seen have been good and positive. And I think that most, for the most part, churches have done a really good job of adapting to, to what was necessary. But at the same time, it leaves the, our people in this space where change is already hard for them. And they've mm-hmm. changed so much over the last nine or 10 months that now they're like really almost antsy for, for what's, what's coming next. Well, and it gets um, you it gets you to this point of where do you go next? Mm, yeah, you know because you think like okay, we did it, we're done. But where but but there is a next like where do we go next? Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry, Josh. No, no, you're good. And and I think the the way you get there is by asking the question: Why are we going to? Um, why do we need to change? What are we addressing? Are we mm-hmm. just changing because we want to change, or is there actually a purpose for what we're doing? Intentional. Um, yeah. And that, and that purpose drives people to be able to buy into whatever is coming, coming down. I remember when I first got here, um, Archrell Harris, who's a, a minister in, uh, is actually in Topeka, Fourth Avenue in Topeka. He called me up and he said, uh, hey, Josh, you got your list. And I said, what list? And he said, the list of all the things you want to change this new place you're at. Huh. I said, oh, man, I've, I've noticed a few things that we could probably do a little differently. He goes, I want you to take that list. I want you to fold it up and I want you to put it away. Mm. Um, he said, moving a church is like moving an aircraft carrier. Uh, he said, you can move that thing. If there's a torpedo coming at you, you can move it rapidly. But if you do, everything of value is going to be off deck and in the ocean. Mm. Um, he said, moving a church is the same way. Um, it's a long, slow, steady path you know, to, to put them in a direction. And if you do it that way, then you keep everything of value on deck along with you. Um, and, and to me, that was just such a valuable lesson on, on how, how we move and shape even, even good vision, um, change that, that kind of moves us in a direction of, of godly living still has to be done in a way that respects, um, the heritage and the traditions even, uh, of the people that you're called to serve. Um, and that can bring up some challenges, but it can also bring up some really positive things when you get to, to the other side of it. Right. And that really talks about like the idea and the mentality of what a minister uh, or or what should be that uh, moving principle behind a lot of us when we are looking for change or when we're trying to push for something or when we're trying to head a direction. Um, it really kind of shows like how much do you care about people, right? Um, you know, because if you truly do care about people, then I care that that is a sacred cow to you. Right. Like if if that is a big deal to Alan, even though I I'm like, hey, you know, that's silly. We can do away with that. If you care about that person. Then you're willing to go through the extra work, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, I think that ties in that extra work, that extra mile, because all of that that we just talked about is that extra work that we have to put in, um, you know, to move the submarine slowly or whatever you you have to put in that extra work you have to have those conversations you have to be willing to to go through those emotions and walk through those steps uh, with every person uh that that kind of affects um to bring this group uh along and when we do that i think that personally i think that's that showing uh of deeper feelings and family and community and connection uh which is something that we desperately need more of um, and caring about others. I mean, we can talk about, you know, caring and loving on others, but how do we treat our own? 
right? Um, you know, we're so willing. Sometimes we're really willing to just drop, drop the ball and be like, hey, this community over here, they need this. Let's raise money. Let's do this. Let's. That's great. Uh, but if it's somebody within our own church, we're like, oh, well, you know, they can just they can just grow up. They can just live through it. They can, they can uh, suck it up, you know, kind of an idea instead of going, no, this is like really important to them. Um, let's have a conversation about it. Why is it important? And even if we're deciding to move a different direction, um, let's have a conversation and let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting. Um, but I like that idea. Let's go back to, let's go back to, we should really name our shows after we, uh, we do the shows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that idea of, uh, you talked about it. Like we all have these different backgrounds and when we come to work together, like we really do have to, you know, we have to blend, you know, um, I do not have a sophisticated palate, you know? So when I go to the store and I buy, you know, the Mexican blend cheese. I couldn't tell you what all the different cheeses that are in there. I just know that I like it uh, on my tacos, you know? Um, but that is that is the ideal of bringing these different flavors together. I know that was so good. And bringing those different things together. Too. <laughs> bringing those different flavors together to make something that's really wonderful. And uh, so when we talk about the, this idea of working together, um, that's what comes to mind for me is, uh, so how do you, uh, what are those initial conversations uh, that you kind of have uh, when you are going to co-op and do something together? I, I was going to say that there's, I think there's a couple different conversations to have here because when you choose to work together with someone, first of all, I feel like that's hard for us to do in general as since mm -hmm. we all work at Churches of Christ, we're, we very much live into our autonomy of we are a church that does things this way. And therefore, we're going to keep working within ourselves and not reach out to people. I don't know what it is about that. But even just outside of youth ministry, I feel like we're very content to kind of be on our own. And uh, I think it's so good when we take up opportunities, uh, again, not just in youth ministry, but uh, churches as a whole to engage uh, with other churches uh, and just kind of grow together and learn from each other. And almost it's that practicing of hospitality with each other of I care about you and I'm going to show you I care about you by opening dialogues with you. I was going to ask you guys, have you guys had any experience uh, doing See You at the Pole with other churches, other churches that weren't uh, even Church of Christ churches? No? I don't know what that is. You don't know what See You at the Pole is? Josh, you know what that is, right? Oh, yeah. I'm not old uh, enough. I'm sorry, guys. We did it in the, you know, we would do it in the schools, you know, where they right. would get up early, meet at the flagpole and have a little time of prayer. Oh, right. okay. And a lot of times it's organized by youth ministers. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of up to them to either work together or someone took the lead or uh, so you kind of had to learn how to work with other people, even people who had, you know, drastically different, um, you know, theology than you, which was always an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, I think that idea of working together uh, within uh, your own church or with other churches, it's a, it takes a great amount of intentionality because there's something about us that, uh, really, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I feel like I have, I, I have great ideas. And if I just keep doing things on my own, things are going to be great. And I don't, I'll just do all the work. I don't want to bother anyone. You know, I'm a people pleaser. I'll do all the work. And so I don't have to work with other people, but we know to be successful in ministry, you have to be, uh, you know, someone who allows for that to happen where people can volunteer and jump in and collaborate. Uh, Cause if you're not doing that, you're going to get burnt out and you're not going to have 
uh, anyone uh, left to uh, train to take up that work. Uh, and that's not a good thing. It's curious that you say that because you, you work at a church that has two youth ministers. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. So that just when you're saying that, I go, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> forced to work with another person. Um, <laughs> that's really cool. So that's so meet you at the polls. That's kind of like, uh, was it C CFA? Uh, Christian C Fellowship Association? FCA. 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 Which is, what's that stand for? Fellowship, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Oh, okay. I just said it better um, <laughs> um so that's cool well like i said i grew up in the northwest uh church and state are are very very Ooh. different um even um i don't even know that we had an official cfa uh at my high school growing up so you did i say it wrong again fca chick-fil-a yeah. Yeah, CFA is Chick-fil-A. FCA oh, my bad. <laughs> Josh Jones in the chat talking. Hey, Josh, we actually quoted you on uh, a show uh, like a year ago. A Josh Jones quote? Wow. Yeah, we did. We reviewed the article from the Christian Chronicle. So, uh, Oh, man, that was a good one. I love that article. Yeah, it was a good article. It was a better show. Oh, oh okay. Throw some shade at Christian Chronicle, I guess. That's right. I, I did. I called Christian Chronicle. I was like, hey, we're going to do a show of your articles. Is that chill? And they were like, dude, that's super chill. And I was like, all right, cool. Super chill. Super chill. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, he did live. Oh, <laughs> you were calling Josh out on his picture? That's Come on, man. Bye, yeah, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just Josh yeah. and I now. <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. And uh, <laughs> and we want to thank you all for being here today. Uh, <laughs> Been a good show. Uh, Josh, what's our behind the beard moment? Wait, how, how are you going to come to me? We have a guest on the show, and you have an opportunity to put someone completely new on the spot. To That's pull true. Out the behind the Alan, what, what would you say is our behind the beard moment today? Uh, behind the beard moment is that... Uh, it's a relatable moment that applies directly to our uh, ministers. What's something that we can reveal about this topic to non-ministers? So to just uh, members of a church that reveal something about a minister about this topic that they need to know. And we put it on the spot and you just have to know the right answer. Wow. Uh, well, to me, the big theme of the show has been about intentionality and in, in networking and reaching out. And I think it's good for someone uh, who, who maybe is not uh, a person of the cloth, per se, uh, <laughs> to know that we, we kind of work within, uh, within our realms. There's a lot of, of our own insecurities, but there's also a lot of red tape that I feel like people mm. wouldn't necessarily see if they don't know exactly what all is going on with the leadership and, and church politics, which are a real thing. And, uh, and, and making sure you were just talking about when you're you know, deciding to, to cut a ministry or, or to change a program. There are a lot of feelings and emotions attached to those things that people invest a lot in. And so I feel like sometimes people want to see like that aircraft car carrier, like we know the way we should be going. We should be able to turn very quickly. And for you as a, a as a leader to kind of be a calming influence and let people slow down and not give into that anxiety and make sure uh, decisions are made in a in a timely and wise manner. Um, how's that? Is that pretty good? That's that's really good. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that. Um, I did the aircraft carrier. Do you see how I did that, Josh? He really is a people pleaser. Um, <laughs> Do you guys yeah, see the uh, sign behind me? I see the sign. 
It says you can't make everyone happy. You're not pizza. That's an important thing for me to remember. That is good. I've actually <laughs> just seen that doll move a couple times. So, uh, I just, yeah, <laughs> just, be a little, just be careful. It's coming for you. Um, so I, uh, I'm just still living through the shame of, uh, oh man, uh, of saying this picture was bad. So, uh, mm, mm. man, uh, I'm going to deal with that all day. Uh, hey, Alan, we are appreciative that you were able to jump in the show today and talk about this. Uh, I'm glad that you could work with us as we strive to uh, work together with other churches. Anyone have any uh, closing remarks before I close this out? Go for it. I was going to say it's been a blessing to me to be on here. Thanks for inviting me. I've enjoyed the conversation. I enjoy what you guys are doing. Uh, I love the concept behind this show, and uh, I hope it continues. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, we want to thank you guys. Uh, uh, for being here today. We are so uh, excited that you joined us. We want to remind you of something that's super important to us here at Behind the Beards. It's Galatians 6, 9. It's easy to overread it and, and to let it slip past you, but don't grow weary in doing mm -hmm. good. We understand that it's difficult and that it takes a lot of effort as uh, we've talked about some of that stuff today, uh, but don't grow weary in doing good. Uh, this world is messy and, and life is messy. So allow Christ to use you to do something different something good in his name. I'm Aaron, and this is Josh uh, and our guest, Alan, and we'll see you next week on Behind the Beards. Till we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beard